uh, after the three-day institute, we have administrators, principals, counselors, VPs, and instructional coaches, as well as district people, come for two additional days, specifically for them on how to support teachers, how to set up uh, teacher support systems, and how to coach. This is their first introduction uh, to the observation protocol, and also on how to set up uh, teachers' learning communities, how to give teachers time for planning their co-teaching, and all those things that um, help support the teachers, the implementation. Welcome to Highest Aspirations, an education podcast that explores the world of English language learners and how we can make a greater impact. Each episode, we bring you voices from across the ELL community to discuss the issues that matter most. Highest Aspirations is brought to you by Elevation Education, your partner for ELL program management and instruction. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Highest Aspirations. I'm your host, Steve Sifronis. How does the Excel program help teachers better serve their English learners and dual language learners? How do we go about coaching others when observing classrooms, and how does using observation protocols help administrators understand what teaching vocabulary, reading comprehension, and other strategies look like? How might we create a culture of giving and receiving feedback? Plus, we come back to the seal of biliteracy and ask how all this work might help more students access it. Those questions and more on part two of our two-part series with Dr. Margarita Calderon. Before we get started with our conversation, just a quick reminder that you can stay connected with us by joining our ELL community at elevationeducation.com slash ELL community. There you can leave comments about this episode and others. You can also engage with great content like our short video series, blog posts, and articles. Finally, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. This will help us continue bringing you the best topics and guests on Highest Aspirations. Here's part two of our two-part series with Dr. Margarita Calderon. So I want to shift gears, and I know you've kind of talked a little bit about some of the things that you're doing um, uh, at Excel, but I feel like, you know, the work that you're doing is so much related to what listeners are interested in um, that listen to this podcast. So can you just give us a brief summary of the work that you're doing there? And then we'll kind of dive into what an institute looks like and, and the whole idea of observation and feedback. But what, in general, what is the, what is the kind of main goal of the work you're doing? Okay. Uh, again, the purpose was to de develop reading compre comprehension, uh, depth of reading comprehension, close reading, all those strategies for English learners. And, and so we've looked at that uh, by attaching vocabulary at the beginning of reading comprehension and then during comprehension and after, comprehend, after reading. And then at the end, attaching writing, the whole writing process, which also has to be, um, had to be adapted for else 
to uh, get excited about writing and not to make it so burdensome, but to make it uh, more exciting and for them to want to do more writing. So it, it's a combination, it's an integration of vocabulary, discourse, academic slash academic language, reading comprehension, writing, and uh, all the while undergirding all of this is cooperative learning, collaborative learning, and social emotional learning. Because we can't ask students to work with others, particularly if they're from different ethnic groups uh, or, or even gender, you know, boys and girls sometimes don't want to work together. Yep, yep. <laughs> and, and so uh, setting up teams, even partnerships, also entails helping teachers to structure all these practices. And that's why uh, when we do our three-day training, we model everything every inch of the way. Of course, we stop and debrief so that teachers can ask questions, they can talk to each other. But it's important for teachers to see all these practices because for the most part, they haven't seen them. And uh, we want them to also bring their own lessons to their trainings so that they can adapt and figure out, okay, so where am I going to uh, pre-teach five words? What are those five words? I'm going to look for them in my text. Uh, how much of this are students going to be doing partner reading? And how are they going to uh, summarize verbally? What are, what are the activities that they'll do in order to anchor language literacy and content? And then where do we start our writing and what, how are we going to approach the writing? So it's an integrated approach to, to try to bring all this together uh, in order to facilitate the process for the different content areas. Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and so we've been working at that now through... Um, Two grants. The first grant was in dual language elementary schools, where we saw fantastic results. And then Carnegie, the Carnegie Corporation of New York, came and asked me to, to do another five-year study in secondary schools. Mm -hmm. So that's when um, I did that um, through Johns Hopkins and my uh, research associates. Uh, and then... Um, uh, as you know, I've been retired now for 10 years, but I still have another grant. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still coming on and doing podcasts and talking because you can't stop. Most people like you can't, which is okay. We need you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I've, um, I just finished uh, the first chapter of my new book. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's another conversation. Um, but this other grant is helping us look at this whole school approach. How can we fine tune and uh, help all schools realize that this is the best way to go, that uh, students um, do better academically, teachers feel much better because they feel like they're all contributing, 
and, and then the administrators, of course, are happy because their 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 schools are no longer in trouble, uh, or at least you know they're seeing growth. Right. And and that's that's what we're looking for. Uh, we want to see transfer from training into a, a teacher's active teaching repertoire, mm-hmm. but then that has to transfer into the academic learning of the students. And so the ultimate goal is how are the students doing? Uh, we, we need to look at that. That's why it takes you know, years and, yep. and a lot of studies because we need to look at the data of transfer. What transfers from the training? So we had to go back and, and revamp and uh, uh, clean up the training in order for it to transfer more efficiently, more effectively into a, a classroom and then uh, and so on and so forth. So the whole notion of transfer is something that um, uh, I don't see happening in many studies. And uh, that's another thing that I'm hoping in the next couple of years that, uh, you know, the, the methodology that researchers use uh, or even implementers use uh, takes a look at that. Uh, it takes a look at the whole trail uh, of uh, learning from, um, from uh, presentation to coaching, how do coaches learn, how do coaches uh, apply that learning as they're coaching, and then administrators, how do they apply that learning as they uh, visit classrooms, observe classrooms, because they always tell us, well, I don't know what to observe. What do I Mm -hmm. observe? And so we developed observation protocols. This is what teaching vocabulary should look like. Right. This is what teaching reading should look like. And, and so each one of those components has been um, uh, mapped out so that it's easy for them to look at reading, all the aspects of reading, uh, through, through a checklist, through items that they can check and quickly observe. Yeah. Yeah. Two, two things there. One, this idea of transfer, I think, and I agree. I mean, it's, it's compelling to think about, you know, that maybe we would have research that would show whether or not, or what was transferring and what wasn't. What I love about that too, is it's kind of a great way to bridge the gap between research and practice, which I feel like is a, is a big issue um, among teachers who are in the field every day and they look at this research and they say, well, you know, that that's great, but I can't, you know, I can't do that stuff in the, in the classroom. But in this kind of study, you're really looking at, okay, what works and not only what works for teachers, but what works for students. So I think that that's, that's key. And then the other piece that, um, and I know that the institutes, or I'm pretty sure that the institutes X, X, is it XL or X E L L it's XL, right? Uh, yeah, it's, it's XL, uh, capital E, small X, capital C, dash, and then capital E-L-L. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure I had that. I was, I was saying it the right way. I realized I <laughs> yeah, didn't know. I had read it a bunch of times. But I know that those, <laughs> speaking of like the coaching, they rely heavily on observation and feedback. And like, as a teacher myself for a long time, and as somebody who did some observing and mentoring, I know that this can be difficult and tricky for teachers who aren't really accustomed to it. So um, 
how do you, how do you mil- mitigate those challenges and then hopefully begin establishing that as part of a school culture, that idea of transfer, particularly mm-hmm. as it relates to dual language and all the stuff we're talking about? How does, how does that work? Is there, do you find that that's challenging or, or during the institutes, does that kind of dissipate? Um, how does that work? Uh, yes, it is challenging, uh, but we've made it a point to have teachers actually uh, do mini lessons uh, at the training session and get feedback, get feedback in small groups where it's safe. But then we ask the brave ones to come up front and do for, you know, for the whole 100, 120 people, as many people as are being trained. And by then they're ready. And then we ask the, the groups to, to give feedback, positive feedback, uh, and very objective feedback. And, and, and they use the observation protocol. So uh, it kind of sets the tone for when they go back to school and in the classroom. And then when uh, we go and coach the teachers in their classrooms, we, um, uh, I like to say, we drag the administrators with us. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes. <laughs> Whatever it takes. We plead, we beg, we, we bring Food, donuts. Coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Right. I know. I know how that works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, but, you know, they're, they're ready. They're um, just as excited about observing and learning from us. So we have them sit right next to us and it's okay if they kind of lean over and see what we're writing <laughs> while we're checking and then they'll check theirs. And then we debrief as we're walking down the hall to the next uh, classroom. Well, what did you observe? Well, I observed this and what about this? And then, um, you know, for the most part, uh, not only do they observe what we did, sometimes they observe other things that we kind of missed because they know the teachers. And mm-hmm. so they have great observations. And context. we love that. Yes, they have the context. And so we learn from them as much as they learn from us. And so we become a team. And then, of course, um, uh, after the three-day institute, we have administrators, principals, counselors, VPs, and instructional coaches, as well as district people, come for two additional days specifically for them on how to support teachers, how to set up uh, teacher support systems, and how to coach. This is their first introduction uh, to the observation protocol, and also on how to set up uh, teachers' learning communities, how to give teachers time for planning their co-teaching, and all those things that um, help support the teachers, the implementation. Yeah. I didn't know about those other two days. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's really important, you know, Mm -hmm. and you're, you're giving those administrators the time so that they can learn how to give the teachers the time or the space or the place or the forum to be able to communicate with one another. You know, one of the problems that I had with PD, even great PD, like, I mean, we did a lot of um, kind of unconferences kind of stuff where, you know, we built a lot of our own PD at our school and it was all useful and functional. But when that day ends, you go back to your silo, you know, and you, you do your thing because you just don't have time built in. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's, I'm glad to hear that there's, that there's that kind of uh, 
two days where they can come together and think about, all right, well, how is this all going to work logistically with the schedule? You know, how can we support teachers moving on? Right. Well, we have covered a tremendous amount of ground here and, and um, we definitely went in a, in, a, in a few different directions and, we, you know, we started off with <laughs> this and I just to kind of make this a bit of an arc. We started off with the idea um, of the seal of biliteracy. That was kind of like how we kicked this thing off. The idea that, you know, it's not it, the students are on track in elementary schools and then uh, when they get to the middle and high school, they start to 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 not do a little bit more poorly in those content classes and then they're not on track again. So just to kind of come back to that, how do you see the work that you're doing and Excel's doing in this whole school approach and everything that we've talked about resulting in sort of a very, uh, I guess it's data, right? Or or a very like sort of concrete um, surge, let's say, in recipients of the seal of biliteracy. Right. Um, I think um, the dual language schools also need uh, more of this whole school approach uh, to get everybody on the same page. It's sometimes it's the same issue. The Spanish teachers will have one workshop, the English teachers another. And so it's integrating, it's coming together. Many schools are doing that already, but in others, it's not as integrated as it could be. And so another revisiting of this and all the issues that I've mentioned, uh, I think would help tremendously to make sure that by the time the students reach the fifth grade, that they are truly bilingual and biliterate and are ready for middle school, that they have read uh, and studied math, science, social studies, history, So when they get to middle school, they do well in middle school. If middle schools are also dual language schools, well, that's terrific. Uh, But again, the same thing. The whole school needs to create that same mindset of excellence, of um, high expectations, of um, helping students achieve that seal of biliteracy and also uh, career college ready, of course. Uh, and, and then when it comes to high school, uh, if some students um, are, are newcomers or they're newer to the school, uh, they need an additional support. This is where the support comes in. This is where uh, additional ELD, uh, ESL teachers can co-teach and do pretty much the same thing that you know, it's expected of elementary or maybe middle schools, but sometimes high schools forget that uh, not all students have come up the ranks and, um, and uh, uh, you know, hopefully uh, none of those students are long-term L's, right. that the, the long-term L's have disappeared, mm-hmm. that no more, but uh, they might have newcomers that still need even phonics. Sure. Right? Yeah, they and, need that support. Yeah, yeah. So the uh, appropriate identification of the skills that the students need is what I think needs to happen more often in dual language schools. Right. 
Okay. Well, the long term, uh, the whole school approach, um, I think, you know, has been, has been something that we've talked about quite a bit, high quality professional development. Of course, the idea of um, having the, the vocabulary and the academic language necessary, particularly to read and write. We talked a little bit about Excel. So I want to, um, I want to wrap this up with two questions that we like to ask everyone uh, who comes on the podcast. And the first one um, is about a book. We, create this book list and every year we send out like the 10 must reads for teachers of English learners and they all come from our guests. So I'm going to ask you that question. Um, is there a book or other resource that has influenced you either in your personal or professional life or both that you'd like to share with the audience? Oh goodness. Uh, okay. Always the, the hardest question. Yeah. And this is really dating me. <laughs> That's okay. Because, uh, yeah, the books that made the greatest impact on me were uh, Bob Slavin's book on cooperative learning, because that said it all way back in, um, you know, 1979, 1980, and um, everything that he has written uh, about write, uh, reading uh, also impacted me. But um, uh, Bruce Joyce introduced me to the models of teaching and this is where I realized that, um, you know, back in those days, in the 1980s, 90s, we were only talking about uh, language, and about ESL, mm -hmm. and, and teaching just a little bit uh, of um, uh, reading, but it mostly dealt, it did not deal with content areas. And so the models of teaching, we're talking about, you know, what are different ways of teaching science, math, and, and, and that's what got me started. Um, but today, and I don't even know if those books are still in existence. We'll find out. We'll link them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and then Bruce Joyce and Beverly Showers had another book on coaching. So these books were kind of the precursors of my models of my thinking of all of this. So it's taken me that many years uh, to get to this point. But all the while, I've also uh, liked all the national reading panels uh, from the National Science, uh, from the National Research Council, uh, National Re Research Institutes, uh, the Department of Education. Uh, every once in a while, they'll have uh, panels and uh, the national literacy panel from um, 2006 and then a follow-up book that kind of uh, uh, attempted to interpret the findings of the national research panel uh, for for English language learners for language minority children and youth had a long title uh, that um, 2008 book had uh, more practical um, ideas, but yet it didn't have enough. And, and then, of course, there's the Carnegie Corporation of New York mm -hmm. uh, booklets, uh, adolescent reading, uh, the one uh, Debbie Short uh, uh, had let this panel, I was on that panel. So I've been on several of these panels, but that one uh, led by Debbie Short was the beginning of uh, thinking about else and what 
what they need in terms of going beyond just the language. And, right. Right. And so that's a good one. I think it's, you know, these are oldies, but goodies. <laughs> well, to the extent that I can find them and link them, we will link all of those um, on the show notes here and also on our, on our website, elevationeducation.com slash ELL community. And speaking of websites um, and resources, uh, I have looked at your resources and there are too many to count. You've done an incredible <laughs> amount of work. Um, and I just want to give you the opportunity to let people know how they can find more uh, about the work you're doing. Because while we covered a lot today, we really just <laughs> scraped the surface of, <laughs> of a very complex um, uh, issue. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, folks can go to excel.com, E-X-C-E-L-L.com, and there they'll find a list of my 100 plus publications. <laughs> uh, or they can email me at M-E-C-A-L-D-E at gmail. Uh, and um, uh, I also tweet, uh, let's see, it's at Calde E-X-C. Um, so I'm, um, I'm retired. I'd be happy to answer questions uh, by anyone. And um, um, again, I thank you because um, this is a wonderful opportunity to share my views and perspectives. Well, absolutely. I thank you not only for coming on today, but for all the work that you've done and for really, like I said it earlier, but, but putting things in a perspective um, and being able to express uh, sort of the simplicity of a complex issue uh, in a very compelling way, particularly I think when we were talking about those uh, those uh, second the second tier vocabulary or tier two vocabulary, which I thought was was really compelling. So appreciate um, everything that you're doing. I appreciate you coming on, and we will link to um, the website, to your Twitter, um, to your email as well. Um, and I encourage folks to look at that information because it's really helpful. Um, and again, we just sort of scraped the surface of, uh, of a very complex issue. So thank you again, Margarita. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for listening to Highest Aspirations. If you liked our show, please be sure to join the ELL community at elevationeducation.com slash ELL community, where you'll find all the episodes of Highest Aspirations and other resources to help educators maximize the impact on their English language learners. Also, let us know how we're doing by writing a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts.